OTB Rugby. And uh, if everyone in Ireland's a wee bit worried, well, you've got yourselves to blame because it's your fault because it's what you did to them uh, in July last year that poked the bear properly. You know that. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM, the Sports Breakfast Show from Off the Ball. We're back on what five days time? Yeah, it's hard to believe it's back. Andy Mitten, are you ready for the new season? Yeah, looking forward <laughs> to it. Just like, can you make it sound any more exciting than that? I'm still jet lagged. I know you won't <laughs> believe me, and I know, I know, I was. We have a lot of first word problems on this show today. People spending too much money, being jet lagged, but you are tired. Get get your small violin out. I'm sure you're sympathetic. <laughs> but yeah, I woke up at ten past three this morning and couldn't get back to sleep. I thought that going to Dublin at the weekend and having a few pints of Guinness would sort of reset me, and it sort of did. But yeah, I'm back to square one now. But what? I am looking forward to it genuinely, and I'll be Old Trafford on Monday night for Manchester United's first game against Wolves, and I'm pretty optimistic. Uh, so if you if you uh, have insomnia at three in the morning, do you what what's your tactic here do you like force yourself to try to sleep or do you end up like everyone just going on their phone and making it worse it's complicated by two young kids who mm. like getting up in the night and i don't really have a tactic because i don't normally have this i've not had jet lag for four or five years and i'm surprised how much it hit me but i'm not the only one some of the other people who flew back from the states last week are, are also struggling with it so i'm just hoping that We'll get normalised. I've got to finish off the first United we stand of the season by today. and I'm on deadline and, well, I've got to do it. I've got no other choice. I can't sell the printer that I'm jet-lagged and can't send it to print, can I? So I've got to be done. I'm hoping I'm going to tie myself out and then go to bed at one point and just sleep for eight hours. That's my dream. How was the Dublin experience then from your perspective, Andy? I know like there's been a debate here. Clearly, a lot of some disappointed Irish fans, you know, who, who weren't expecting the the split friendlies. Although I know Manchester United did the same thing last year, but just the maybe the timing of announcements maybe jarred with some people. I mean, how was the the occasion for you? For me personally, I loved it. We did a, a gig at the Sugar Club on Saturday night, and that went well. I like the city a lot. I like the Guinness. Found a good pub called Hartigans, I think. Oh, what an absolute banger. That's a good find. Banger. Absolute banger. You'll never want to go anywhere else. Uh, and you I went to the Sugar it. Club anyway. And Yeah, and a group of um, gentlemen were just sat around a table just jamming with their instruments. And I just thought, this is magnificent. And I spoke to one of them. He said, where are you from? I said, I'm from, from Manchester. And he said, give me five minutes. And then he started playing Matchstick Men uh, in tribute to L.S. Lowry from Salford. And <laughs> it, it, it was just just wonderful. And There's a real I connection, said, though, I, with Northern that. English lads and Irish people. It just works. Yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, I was, I was with some friends as well. And we, we had a great time. You're pretty famous off the ball, you know. Loads of people come up to me. Well, and yeah. We see you on off the ball. You know that. So yeah, I, I, I realise that you don't get that when you're walking around um, San Diego. But the <laughs> point about the about fans being unhappy, I wouldn't just say some. I got it non-stop. So yeah. I stood on Lansdowne Road selling United We Stand before the game against Lons on Saturday. I got wind of the team and I tweeted, "It's going to be a very strong team," and that just set people off because people then thought that it wouldn't be a strong team the following day at Dublin. 
and I, I quickly gathered that all the substitutes from Old Trafford would be starting in Dublin, but that didn't appease fans. And I understand why. People had paid a lot of money for their tickets at the Aviva. The game had sold out quickly. And after that had happened, United announced another friendly at Old Trafford. So a lot of people were on my case on social media to the point that I was going to tweet out and say, look, I don't pick the team. I'm with you. I hear what you're saying. And then stood on Lansdowne Road, absolutely hammered it down. So if you want another similarity with Northern England, it was raining, then it was sunny. We sold out of United Restands in no time. Brilliant to meet Manchester United fans in, in real life. So you brought over the you brought over the um, fans and everything? Yeah, and I was worried. I was worried on two levels. One, people told me that Irish people don't carry cash anymore. And our card readers don't work in the Republic of Ireland. And two, we're allowed to sell anywhere as a printed publication. But in Dublin, I'm told that you need special street traders' licenses. Ah, nah, don't mind that. We grind. <laughs> so, I was, so I was worried. So we brought copies over and the police, the police were fine with us. And we sold them in no time. We could have sold four times as many as, as we brought. And I really enjoyed it. So much interaction goes on online. So to stand on the street and have people coming up to you. One man came up to me with a copy of Issue 3 from February 1990. Oh, wow. How wonderful was that? It was just just brilliant. And uh, Dale, a United fan from Clonmel, he came up and, and helped us sell. So that was good. But, you know, 90% of people were saying how disappointed they were with, with the expected lineup. And... I think they're entitled to have that opinion. But yeah. the Aviva is, is, is a top stadium. And I was actually going to fly back to Bilbao with the, with the Athletic Bilbao team. That had all been arranged and it changed at, at the last minute. So the vast majority of the crowd were Manchester United fans. I saw the headlines about Harry Maguire being booed. I sat in the West Stand and I wasn't in the media. And I actually thought he got more support than okay. just where I was. And... The the game it wasn't the best game ever. It had an exciting finish. Um, it's not for me to say whether it was it was good value or not for the people who were there, but it illustrates just how popular Manchester United are in Dublin and the Republic of Ireland to sell that big stadium out so quickly. And when I was looking at that stadium, and I have been before, and when I've seen the stadiums on the US tour and thinking. Old Trafford, I really love it, but you know, there's no leg room in comparison to here. The architecture is not as good a, a, as here. So I've absorbed information on on all different levels. Ten Hag came, he brought his team. Uh, athletic club were always going to be technically good as well. Look, it wasn't the best game ever, but I still came away from it touched by the enthusiasm and the passion of Manchester United fans I came across. What age that, you, that Andy? Riding feeling. What age are you now? 49. 49. So Dan and I are, shall we say, the other side of... We're in our 40s now. We're actually all in our 40s. 40s we're, yeah. we're 40. The, the level of Premier League, like, saturation when I was a kid is phenomenal. And this is, like, this is still a thing where Manchester United can sell out that quickly. And Manchester United was, um, when I was a kid, was... Uh, like Eric Cantona was possibly almost like and Roy Keane these are the biggest personalities in sports when I was a kid and it still exists Dan and these are 
I don't know. It's Man United is still a massive, massive thing. No, it is. No, and listen, and we we spoke about poor Andy. Come on, let's not have the same the same discussion again. I think like the, just the disappointment for the fans at the weekend was even. I think the game in Old Trafford on Saturday was priced in a very different way. Mm. They made a big deal of it. Um, and as I said, I mentioned I knew people who actually flew over, you know, to that to that, and it worked out better. But it still doesn't matter. Like I, I think if there was another game announced in Dublin in the morning, it would still sell out. Um, even if people might be a, some people might be a little bit more guarded um, about maybe wanting to know a little bit more about who might possibly play but there's no denying that great love like the great love that exists you know I just think you know I would have said some of the fans travelling from outside in Dublin from outside of Dublin would nearly be better putting that money towards the trip to Manchester in future you know unless there's guarantees around these games but look you can't tell people maybe loads of people that were there despite that still had a very good time even if they were very disappointed travelling up but I suppose the bigger picture Andy is a week out from the season how is the fan base feeling generally about where things are headed okay I think the the backing the manager they're satisfied with the signing so far the attention has switched more to possible, probable outgoings now. Manchester United need money and spent a lot on the three players who've signed uh, so far. Wolves at home, Manchester United really should be should be winning that game. The season starts slowly. It's, it's a game per week as opposed to two per week, which we saw pretty much from after the World Cup finished. So there's a game at Wolves, there's a game against Forest, against um, Tottenham. I, I spoke to lots of people on the tour, spoke to lots of players, and they are confident, genuinely confident. I'm sure they would have said they were confident a year ago, and then they lost the opening two games against Brighton and Brentford, but I believe that the team is better than a year ago. All sorts of questions. Um, Rasmus Hoyland, how is he going to do? Who's going to start? Has Mason Mount done enough to start? Who's going to be the right back out of Aaron Wambasaka? And uh, Diogo Dalot, I don't think those questions have, have been decided yet by the manager. But I, I think Manchester United are in, are in pretty good shape, and Wolves at home is, is should be a good start to the to, to the season for the team. What would constitute a good season this year? Mm. Good question, and I'm just sort of formulating my answer to that. But I have been thinking about it a lot, and I'm going to say more points than last year in the league, more goals. Another cup and a decent run in the Champions League. Mm. But with a fair wind, you never know. I also think that rivals are going to be stronger. I think Liverpool won't be as bad as last season. Neither will Chelsea. Tottenham look like they've got a good attack-minded manager. Manchester City will clearly be favourites once again. So, Ten Hag made Old Trafford a fortress last year. Manchester United have got to improve away from home against against the good teams and I spoke to several players about that and, and they know that. that that's the one area where United have got to be more consistent within matches and let's see if that happens there's a game against Tottenham coming up although actually Tottenham were the only team in the top nine who didn't beat Manchester United at, at home last season because you know it's Tottenham or are Tottenham any different this season in your perspective the Kane thing is kind of rumbling on looks like he's going to stay now yeah, it does. You know, he was Eric Tenag's first choice target towards the end of the, of the season, but United looked at the probable wage cost of, of Harry Kane as well as the transfer fee 
as well as what they thought would be Tottenham's reluctance to sell to a rival and just thought we do not want a whole summer chasing a player like we did with Frankie de Jong a year ago. So United looked at um, Rasmus Hoyland. There wasn't a huge number of strikers to go for. Um, and also switched attention to Andre Anana, one of the four goalkeepers Manchester United were were looking at. But he was the first choice and, and he came in. Told he's making a good impression, although he was lobbed at the weekend against Lons. Get your mistakes out of the way early. So it's, it's, it's a big, important season, but Tenor genuinely has the support of the fans and of the players. And I, I spoke to enough of them to know that um, that is the case, but he's going to be judged by, by results and performances. Combined 60 million West Ham bid from Maguire and McTominay is quite interesting. It's very interesting. It, it's starting to look like a serious bid, isn't it? When when I saw a bid of 20 million, I thought there's no way Manchester United are going to sell for that, a player who costs so much. But when you start going 50, 60, and you look at it from the player's perspective, they will be thinking, am I going to play? And the answer is probably not, unless there's going to be injuries, but not just one injury, two, three or four injuries. And they're both good players who, who can play Premier League football. Harry Maguire and, and Scott McTominay are both internationals, very important ones for Scotland, for England. They need to be playing football. Uh, we've got the European Championships next year. All along, Harry said he wants to stay at United and fight for his place. And I'm sure on the record he would say that as well because he's got a contract and I don't think any rival club will be paying him what he's on at Manchester United. But let's be realistic. It, it, I, I would say that both of those players will, will, would move on. And West Ham do have money as well because they got all that cash in for, for Declan Rice. So I think we'll see more activity in the transfer market. And if those two go and Manchester United get some serious money in, then we may see uh, some, some more incoming players to Old Trafford. Just briefly from a Manchester United perspective, how disappointed are you you haven't gotten Rice? Well, he's very good, isn't he? Um, don't know how good he is. I interviewed him a couple of years ago. I thought he was a a pretty switched on lad. Um, but I'm, before I'm not, or after I'm not he abandoned Ireland? Yeah, I know. I saw that. I didn't want to um, tread near that Throw delicate there, yeah. diplomatic issue. Yeah. And just uh, remind you. He, 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 he won't anyway. be going to Hartigans no, anytime soon. No, Yeah, that, I'm, I'm not. It's, it's not one of them where you're thinking, we've really, really missed out there. But, but I know he's a, he's a very good okay. player. But. Yeah, it's not it's not a big deal for United fans. Last one for you, Andy. I wanted to bring you in on this just from the perspective of what the reaction is over here. This is the back of the sun. Time bomb, uh, Raf Rage, uh, Dangerous New Rules, KDB added. Minutes don't make sense. I genuinely do wonder sometimes, do the people running the game give any crap whatsoever about the players who actually play it, who are totally, totally overworked, who basically are asked to do this ridiculous roster and now have an extra 10% on top all of a sudden? Money triumphs mm. every single time and always has done. And it was pretty uncharacteristic of Rafa Varane to come out and say that. I think he's right in saying that. And maybe he knows his own body better than most players. And he, he knows he can't be playing two games a week. He's someone who's picked up a lot of injuries. But th there will be more and more demands put on players because money will see out and the pushback from clubs or authorities will you're getting paid a huge amount of money, but I'm with the players on this one. And we saw at the weekend in the championship in England, games were lasting 
you know, 22 minutes longer. We saw it in the World Cup final. I'm not sure it was like in, in Ireland. I was going to go to Shamrock Rovers on Sunday, but it was just a bit too close to the finish of the game of the Aviva. But I will, be, I will be back to see them. You're an absolute Varane, legend, Andy. You're like, because yeah, it extra been, hour definitely. That was the the, the kickoff time for the six hour. Yeah, seven would have been okay. We, yeah. we need we need exactly. to get you to a Friday night game because that's when like the Sunday games are they just don't have quite the same. But you, I, I guarantee you, um, you will love a League of Ireland game. I've heard I've heard all about them. I know mm. and respect the rivalries and touching on what you said earlier. When Man United used to come over in the nineties. I saw them play at places like Shelbourne, mm. although I was told it's shells and anyone who says Shelbourne is posh. <laughs> I was corrected at, at, at the weekend on that one. So you know, I know about the rivalry St. Patrick's, Bohemians, and um, I know that there's a very rich football culture there. And I see some shots of the atmosphere and, and, and I really respect it. You know, I know English football is really well supported in the Republic of Ireland, but I think it's also important that the domestic league does well and I keep an eye on it you know Cork City I saw Dundalk a few years ago I know there's been some pretty compelling stories there yeah Dan actually brought his uh, mother for her 80th birthday to the Shelburne uh, Hotel which is this posh uh, uh, shop in town uh, when it's my mother's turn she'd either be going to watch Shelburne or she'd be going to watch the dogs <laughs> at Shelburne Park uh, first after uh, sorry lost my train of thought here thanks Andy thank you <laughs> bit like the dogs I back OTB AM The Sports Breakfast Show from Off the Ball.